just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here, and today's going to be a fun day, I know, because we just had uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel in our studios a couple of weeks ago for some broadcast shows that have not aired yet, uh, uh, and it's just always fun talking to him. In, in fact, uh, our guest coordinator for the broadcast show, I was talking to her this morning and, and told her that I had Jason on the program, and she's like, oh, I love it when he comes. I learn something new every time, and that's you know, especially for those of us who have grown up in the church, I have heard probably more sermons than 99% of the people out there. Uh, and so it, it does become a challenge. But when when Rabbi Silvel comes and he unpacks Scripture, uh, the knowledge that he has, the perspective that he has, it's just, you know, uh, an American of Irish descent 2,000 years later, I don't have the worldview and cultural framework that Jesus walked in, but Rabbi Sobel understands that, and he unpacks so much out of Scripture. It's just fun. So today we're going to have a He's got a new book, uh, and his books uh, tend to do very well because of this very fact that we, it's just rich, you know, and it's, it's fun. It makes, it makes Christianity really come alive. But his latest book is this one, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah, uh, and he's looking at the miracles of Jesus, and yeah, so hang on. Uh, you're going to enjoy today's program. Uh, if you're watching us this week live, um, today is what, the, the 12th, uh, September 12th? There's an event we'll tell you about later at the end of the week. Uh, and so if you're catching this this week, you'll, you'll want to know about uh, a live event that's happening this weekend. Um, but if you're watching it later, you're still going to love this. So Rabbi Sobel, great to have you. Thanks for being on the, on the online show. I know you come and do the broadcast, but thanks for doing the uh, online version as well well shalom i always love being with you and uh excited to be here with you live you never know what god's gonna do live <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and it, th when you were here for the broadcast um you know we we started looking at the miracles of jesus uh and there's some yeah i again growing up hearing sermons in churches all like i feel like i know these stories but then when I talk to you, I go, I didn't know it at all. Or I only knew half the story, right? Why did you decide to look at the miracles uh, and, and sort of delve into some of the things maybe most people don't get? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I think, first of all, we live in a world where there is so much chaos, so much confusion. So many people are just feeling a sense of, you know, hopelessness discouragement. I love looking at the miracles of, of Jesus because the miracles not only point to him as the Messiah, but also they're meant to bring hope into our lives. They're, they declare to us, listen, no matter what your situation or circumstances are, no matter how bad it is, God can show up and he can do something amazing. He can make your future better than your past. He can change your situation. He can change your life. He can bring healing and wholeness in an instant. And I think we need that today more than ever because we need the supernatural 
in a world where there's so much craziness and demonic activity going on. And of course, we wrote this book because we want people to fall, fall more in love with Jesus, fall more in love with his word. And I think when you see how the old and new connect and you see the Bible in high definition, you realize, man, God is in every detail. It gives you a sense of wonder and amazement. And you understand that, you know what, like God is in every detail of the Bible. He's in every detail of our life. Mm -hmm. And that also. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one of the dangers I, I have seen in uh, focusing on, on miracles is that when we don't get a miracle, we think something's wrong either with God or with us uh, or, you know, maybe with our, our, our theology, you know, something like that. What were the purposes of Jesus' miracles? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, right, the son, you know, in the Bible, the miracles are actually called, like in the book of John, which is what we're focusing on in this book. The book of John is actually referred to as the book of signs because it's centered around these seven miraculous signs. But the important thing is that the signs are meant to be signposts that communicate a message kind of like when you're driving down the highway and you see the billboard the billboard only exists to point you to something to communicate a message to you and the miracles of jesus are meant to communicate the heart of god the person of god and the fact that jesus is the word of god he's god made flesh and what the lord wants to do in your life you know, I think it's significant that Jesus is called the word, because how do we know people? We know people by their words out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know the heart of God, you have to know the word of God. And we see that in the person of Jesus. And that's what his miracles communicate to us. So the, the miracles would, would tell us that he is the Messiah. Uh, he is the way they called it in the original first century but the miracles themselves aren't the thing is that what you're saying right the miracles are not the thing the miracles point to the thing so for example when jesus proclaimed you know the kingdom to validate his kingdom message he did the signs of the kingdom right mm -hmm. so the signs point to the fact that the message that Jesus is bringing is true. Because think about it. I mean, we take it 2,000 years later at face value. But when someone shows up after thousands of years of waiting and believing for the Messiah, and after there have been so many false messiahs, yeah, yeah. right? Like, how do you know that this guy isn't just like another one of those crazies, right? Is, is, is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he really the Lord who he claims to be? And he doesn't, and he claims not just to be the Messiah in the sense of like the messianic descendant of David. He claims something more. He claims to be God made manifest in the flesh. So he takes that claim to a whole nother level, right? Mm -hmm. And so the unique signs that Jesus performs is meant to point to his unique identity. Mm. as the messiah as god incarnate so that we can know with empirical proof 
no other person, it's like what many of the leaders and people said, no, you know, like Nicodemus comes to Jesus says, we know you're sent by God because no one can perform the signs you do unless you're sent from God. Mm -hmm. But then the miracles, they, they communicate different aspects of the person of Jesus, the character, the nature. But something really important is that I believe that every miracle has a promise connected to it for our lives. Hmm. Because what God did in the past isn't just meant to be a past remembrance. It's meant to be a present recurrence, right? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what God did through these miracles, he also wants to show up and do in our life in some way today. There's something meaningful for each and every one of us in each and every one of these miracles. All right. Well, you got seven of them that you look at from the book, the gospel of John, uh, walk us through one of them and, and kind of unpack. Um, cause I know we, when you get into it, there's, there's more than just the surface reading. There's a lot of meaning in there that again, we don't necessarily understand 2000 years later, but you've done a wonderful job of, of explaining and bringing to life. Walk us through one of those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the one of the miracles that we talk about is the miracle of sight. We talk about the man who was born blind from birth and they come to him, the disciples, and they say to him, who sinned, you know, this man or his father? And Jesus says, neither this man nor his father, but this was done so that the power of God might be revealed mm -hmm. through him. And so the question is, you know, what's the significance of him, you know, doing this miracle? Well, the first thing I want to just get into is like this idea of who sinned this man or his father, it's something that people think of today as generational sin. Mm -hmm. Am I being punished for something you know, one of my descendants did. And that is actually based upon this idea found in the Ten Commandments. It says, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers to the sons, even to the third and fourth generation. Mm -hmm. And the way visit is often interpreted is as, you know, punishes to the third and fourth generation. Mm -hmm. But actually the Hebrew, a better translation of the Hebrew is God remembers. What it means is, that God remembers and waits up to three and four generations for every individual in those generations to repent because God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in kindness. Hmm. And we see this in the story of Abraham, where God says to Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, your descendants are going to go in exile 400 years because the sin of the Amorites are not yet complete. I'm going to give the people of the land an opportunity, a long time to return to me. I think that's a beautiful thing. Like, I want people to know that you're not cursed because of something in your ancestry. Mm -hmm. God is gracious and compassionate. Jesus came to break every curse. He came to bring healing and wholeness in our lives. And the opening of the eyes of this blind man is significant because the prophecies tell us that one of the things the Messiah was going to do was actually open the eyes of the blind. And what's really cool with this miracle 
I love taking people to Israel. He does this miracle at the Pool of Siloam. Actually, they just excavated the Pool of Siloam and found more of the steps that Jesus would have actually oh, wow. walked on in the first century, right? Oh. We know where it is. We can go where he walked, where this miracle uh, happened is connected to. And before he heals this man and, and has him go in the water of the Pool of Siloam, he spits in the mud, makes spittle, puts it on his eyes. And the question is, man, it seems like a weird thing to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Like, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Jesus spitting in people's eyes. Well, what's the significance here? God's in the details. How did God made man? He formed Adam out of the mud, out of the ground of the earth. So it's connecting back to creation. But then this is a man who was born blind from birth, right? It's a congenital uh, disease. So think about it for a moment. You ever watch the CSI shows? And if you want to catch the bad guy and you need his DNA, what do you try and get? Yeah, spit. Yeah. His saliva. Maybe you try and get a cup that, yeah. he, that the person drank from, right? Yeah. So spit carries our DNA. Hmm. There was something wrong with this man's DNA, but Yeshua Jesus carries divine DNA, mm. and he transferred his divine DNA to this man to heal his DNA because he was blind from birth. There was something wrong genetically with him, mm. but Yeshua's DNA is transferred to this man, and he's completely healed. But of course, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's actually an ancient Jewish tradition that says the saliva of the firstborn has healing properties. Hmm. And that if there's a dispute about who's the firstborn child in the family, you know, put there's actually the rabbis talk about how spit was put into a man's eyes and the firstborn son, his saliva helped the man's eyes get better, didn't completely heal a blind man, but it had effect on his eyes. Well, listen. The rabbis and the leaders are disputing, is Jesus God's firstborn, the one sent from him? And they're actually questioning his paternity, his legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And here Yeshua does this miracle to show, you know what? I am God's firstborn. And part of the proof is my spit can open the eyes of the blind. Wow. It's proof of who Jesus is. Wow. Uh, you know, it's fascinating about that. I always find the cultural aspect of that fascinating because, again, I, I wouldn't know. I've always thought, why why are you spitting in the mud, you know, once? And then sometimes he doesn't spit in the mud. And, you know, the joke w amongst us is that it, now you get three denominations, one spit, two spit, and no spit, you know, because <laughs> we, we, we try to put these miraculous things into this sort of theology that, that – where we kind of, I think, oftentimes miss the purpose. Um, and and yeah. it's the, the, we, you know, your approach to say, no, no, these are the signs to show. And it wasn't just it, just for the first century Jewish culture because they got it in a way we, you know, we don't necessarily until we hear it from someone you know, like you. But yet it also does have application, uh, especially I've noticed not, not as much on a physical level, but on a spiritual level, because you talk about opening the blind eyes. I mean, that's a universal thing to open our eyes to a spiritual truth when we're touched by Jesus. Listen, so many, you know, opening the eyes of the blind man is 
God wanting to open our eyes to give us the, the ability to see beyond our situation and circumstances mm. and to trust him even when it seems crazy or offensive because faith is about sight, right? You'll never be more than you can see. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And oftentimes our eyes are blinded and we minimize God instead of maximizing him. We maximize our situation and our circumstances and our eyes are focused more on everything that's going on around us and how big that is. And in the process, we make God small, yeah. you know, and we think yeah. he can't do it. It's like the 12 spies who go into the land. They all see the land. They all see the fruit. They all see how good it is, God's promise to them, but 10 can only focus on the problems and the pitfalls, and they die in the desert because they don't have the eyes of faith to see beyond the problems. Mm -hmm. Joshua and Caleb, their eyes are open. They have the eyes of faith. They're like, hey, who cares if there's giants? You know, let's go in and take the land. The 10 were blinded. Their eyes were shut. But God wants to open our eyes so that we can see through the eyes of faith, because that is key to possessing our promise. Faith is a substance of things hoped. Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. We see what's not seen and believe that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So now the uh, the story, because this this brings up another issue in that we see with a miracle and Jesus, and I'm not sure if this one's in John or not, because it all runs together for me. Um, but the, where he asked the, the lame man, do you want to be healed? Yeah. I, I, and, and that's a curious question. And of course, the guy's response is even, even more curious because he doesn't answer <laughs> the question directly. You'd think anybody in the right mind would go, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, how much, what, what do we, I don't know, what, where do we get out of that when it comes to our part in, you know, receiving the miracle as my pentecostal friends would say um what what's the relationship what's the dynamic that you see between god's miraculous capabilities his desire to open eyes and heal and make whole and then our part of that i think that's a great question i mean i think the, that it is and we talk about in the book the signs and secrets of healing it's in chapter five of the book and it's the miracle at the pool of bethesda mm. and part of the significance of that you know seemingly odd interaction you know we have to understand that our hurts hinder our ability to be healed mm. right mm. because when you're hurt or when you've struggled with illness or trauma for so long, oftentimes that begins to define you. It begins to shape your outlook. It begins to shape your worldview. And you lose hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes we've, we, we, for so long, we've been struggling with something and, and we've asked God to take it away and he doesn't take it away. And we lose faith that God can ultimately do it. But Jesus is the ultimate hope dealer. He comes to bring this man hope. And this man has been an invalid for 38 years. Mm. Why is that significant detail? Because Deuteronomy 2.14 tells us that Israel 
wandered in the desert 38 years because of their unbelief. I thought it was 40. Well, they were in the desert for 40. Okay. But in the second year is when they sent the 12 spies into the land ah. and they and brought the evil message. And it was because of that, God says, 38 years, you'll wander. So the first two years, God was giving them the Ten Commandments. They were building the tabernacle. He was preparing them. But it was in that second year, it's like, okay, now it's time to go and take the land. Wow. That's when they lacked the faith. And God pronounces judgment upon them and says, listen, because you chose not to believe twice, in a sense, and multiple times, actually, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, that gener that adult generation has to die in the wilderness. So 38 years is the years they wander. So 38 years is also the numerical value of the he Hebrew word libo is heart. So Hebrews alphanumeric, you write letters with numbers. So every word has a numerical value. So 38 is numerical value of his heart. So Jesus was testing this man to see what was in his heart. And what he's saying to them is, do you want to be like that generation who died in the wilderness because of their unbelief? That's the symbol of not being able to walk. Literally, they could not walk into the promised land. Mm. They died in the wilderness. Or put your excuses aside, <laughs> have faith, believe in me, take up your bed and walk. And this man decides to have faith, and he decides to listen to Jesus, Yeshua, and he does take up his bed and walk. Mm. And I believe we have to, like what you asked the question in the beginning, we have to respond by faith to see God's miraculous healing and wholeness and work happen in our life. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, his first response was, well, I mean, here's my excuse. I, someone else beats me to the pool. You know, I'm waiting. Uh, all these kinds of things. And I, I think we do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to, especially when you're talking about emotional uh, wounds and, and things that are uh, more attitudes and spirit than, than physical sometimes, um, we 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 stay in that place um, because we don't believe that God wants to send you know let us enter the promised land or can, maybe I can't because I physically can't you know get, get there and what what I hear you saying is that when we take Jesus at His word, that's when the miracle happens. Absolutely. I mean, this man was struggling with faith. He was physically, emotionally, relationally sick and hurting. He seemed like nothing was ever going to change for him. Yeshua comes and speaks a word of promise and hope over him. And this man has a choice to believe, make excuses mm -hmm. or to receive it and believe it. And he does. And he rises and he takes up his bed and he walks. And I, you know, I'll never forget there, you know, we've seen a number of miracles, you know, in our ministry. I remember one time we had this event and this uh, woman was kind of, she was hosting at her property um, because of a friend and she didn't come to the event, but we were praying for people afterwards and she could hear us praying for people. 
And for years, she struggled with a number of serious health issues and had been prayed for so many times and had given up hope. But something in her prompted and said, you know, I'm just going to go one more time and see if God does something. Mm. And after years of struggling and years of not seeing God do something, she got, we prayed for her and God supernaturally healed her of several diseases. Crazy story. But here's, here's the sad part. A root of bitterness and anger sprung up within her mm. towards a number of different people around her. And a number of her sicknesses came back. Mm. Because, you know, healing first and foremost has to happen not on a physical level, but on an emotional and on a spiritual level. Yeah. And first and foremost, God wants to heal us spiritually and emotionally because, and often, sometimes the physical healing is actually meant to do the inner healing, right? Because right. if you're, if you have chronic pain or illness and you, you lose hope, sometimes you need that physical healing to be healed emotionally and spiritually to know God cares and is real in your life. And as much as God likes to and, and does at times heal physically, it's always the deeper work of healing, like you're saying, is that spiritual and emotional and relational level. And so even when God does a work of healing in our life, we have to maintain the faith and abide in that healing that he does in the wholeness that he brings. We can't go back to Egypt and think everything's going to be okay yeah 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 right you know one of my one of my favorite stories in scripture is where the, the man the paralytic was lowered through the ceiling because he was a paralytic that's literally why his friend they wanted physical healing and you know what did jesus do he looked at him and said your sins are forgiven which he said in front of the 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 rabbis the jewish leaders which was a message to them but i also look at look at that and i go okay what's the primary and what's the secondary well, the primary is the forgiveness of sins. That's the greater miracle. Absolutely. Because that's permanent. That's eternal. The secondary was the guy getting up and walking because the guy died. I mean, physically, it was temporary, right? And so what you're saying, that I think that is the message that we really need to hear shouted from the scriptures is the eternal, the spiritual, the emotional, the relational with God. That's to me, that that that's what we need to see when we see any kind of miracle, because we tend to look with our physical eyes, and we need to see with the spiritual eyes being open. So, yeah, and we way. talk about in the we talk about in the book we talk about in the secret of wholeness, the miracle in John chapter four, the healing of the nobleman's son comes. You know, this nobleman comes to royal official comes to Jesus, Yeshua in Cana, where he'd actually performed his first miracle, the water into wine, which we also talk about in the book. Yeah. And he says, listen, can you bring a healing? And Yeshua heals the man's uh, child from a distance. What's interesting, he says, my son is sick. Well, what's interesting, the word for sick in Hebrew is the word hole. And it comes from the word whole, which means to bore out or to make hollow. So sickness enters in our life as a result of something that is missing that should be there. 
there's a vacuum that's created that creates a space for unhealthiness and sickness to enter, right? This goes back to the Garden of Eden. When we took from the tree, it created this separation, this disconnection with God. It created this vacuum and it allowed a place for something other than God to be able to enter. And part of healing and wholeness is removing the addictions, removing the unhealthy things, inviting God back in. And in the process, he takes us from being hollow or having holes to being made whole in him. He comes in and he fills the void. He fills the holes. All of us have holes in our lives, especially emotionally, relationally. We fill those things with food or codependent relationships or money or power or sex or whatever these things are. And if we keep filling our life with these things and thinking they're going to fix us or change us or make us happy, it's never going to work. We have to invite the Lord and we have to invite the Holy Spirit because that's where healing and wholeness comes from. And he does this miracle at the seventh hour the same hour God breathes life into Adam and Eve, according to Jewish tradition, and seven is the number of wholeness, mm. and Yeshua brings wholeness to this man's son, and he wants to bring wholeness to each and every one of our lives. You know, so many good things. And, and we're just touching, you mentioned the, the first miracle of turning the water into wine, and we talked about that on the broadcast show, which again will air. By the way, you can always go to lifetoday.org. Uh, his is not up there yet because it tracks with the broadcast airing schedule, but it'll be up there soon. What a great discussion. Uh, if you're interested in that, and I really, this is one of those books that uh, I don't want to, uh, I probably shouldn't compare. Let me just say this book is a fun read. It's, it's insightful. It's, it's just fun. You just keep wanting to go pick it up because it's the stories, you know, from scripture, if you've been a Christian a long time, really unpacked in you know like jason said hd it's like you see things that you hadn't seen before like going from the old tvs you're like oh my gosh wow it's so much clearer now it's that kind of thing it's called signs and secrets of the messiah uh, it's available uh, wherever you get books and this one let's see you know, it releases next week so it's still on pre-order uh i've got a we've got a copy i, I can tell you it, i think it's actually starting to ship already. is it shipping okay it says pre-order i think it's already shipping but but either way you go go get your order in you'll get it you'll get it soon you really will enjoy it but jason one more thing uh you mentioned before we went on the air that you've got a live event this weekend i'd love for people to know about that tell us what you're doing yeah absolutely we're excited you know, every major event in the life of Jesus happened on a biblical holiday. He died as the Passover lamb. He rose on first fruits. He put out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, the same day God gave the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And so the biblical holidays are important. You know, they're God's appointed times. So this Saturday night is the first of the fall biblical holidays known as Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets the biblical new year. It's the time that Joseph was released from prison to the palace. It's the time that Sarah and Hannah conceived after years of barrenness, the blowing of the shofar points of the coming of the Messiah. And again, these biblical holidays are not meant to be just past re, 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 uh, remembrances, but reoccurrences. God wants to do it again in our life. So every year, 
we talk about the spiritual significance of this new year, which on the Hebrew calendar is 5784, the year of the open door. So we're going to be talking about all of what that means, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central. People can join us live in person, or there is a live stream that people can jump on and participate with us. Start the new year right, <laughs> and let's celebrate the Lord. Very cool. That uh, website is, by the way, is fusionglobal.org. Uh, it looks just like this. And if you go up here to events right there, uh, well, there's an event on the homepage there, but you, you can see the, the, the Rosh Hashanah right there. So fun things. And Rabbi, it's just so much fun talking to you. Uh, I appreciate appreciate you coming on, always coming, you know, making the trip here um, when we do the studio thing, but also for coming on the online. We tend to catch a much different audience in, in this media uh, out here, different podcasts and you know, video formats. So good. It's it's good. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, well, I, I appreciate it. And I just want to encourage everyone that's watching. Listen, if you need God to supernaturally do something in your life, I just want to encourage you. He is more than able, and he also wants to use you. He says, greater things than these you can do. You know, God wants to use you to bring hope and healing into people's life. And I wish you, Randy, and everyone who's watching, Shana Tova, a sweet and blessed new year that we're heading into on the Hebrew calendar. Appreciate it, and I appreciate all you guys out there watching. Uh, Judy, Tammy... Uh, Barbara, Patty, all you guys, a good conversation today. It's fun, fun lighting up the chat. So uh, if you know somebody that's encouraged, especially if someone that is maybe interested in the live event this weekend, hit that share button. And as always, uh, if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, we would invite you to do that so you can see more great interviews just like this one. Appreciate you guys being here. See you again next time on Life Today Live. man comes to the Father, but by me.